Welcome to Counter Melody, the podcast on great singers and great singing. I am your host, Daniel Gundlach, and I am thrilled to share with you the opera and classical singers about whom I am most passionate. I hope that when you hear these voices, you might echo me in saying, God, I love her, or God, I love him. Now, Without any further ado, I bring you this week's episode. Hi everyone. Yes, it's September, and that was Lotte Lenya in a 1965 live performance from Carnegie Hall, giving a deeply felt and interestingly sung version of the September song. I think that Lenya was a great artist. I'll be featuring her in the second season in my episode or episodes on voiceless wonders, because she was a wonder and she was also rather voiceless. Today's topic is an interesting one. I've decided to call it legitimate Broadway. I don't intend it confrontationally, but perhaps I do intend it controversially. Back in the day, there was quite a bit of operetta that was produced on Broadway. There were also, maybe you'll be surprised to hear, operas. Many times these were, of course, cast with quote-unquote legitimate opera singers. So today it's not so much crossover as the previous episodes have been, but I'm hoping it will give you an interesting insight into works that were produced on Broadway and also the kind of singers that performed these works. Lotte Lenya did indeed make an appearance on Broadway in a single piece, Court Weil and Ira Gershwin's The Firebrand of Florence. It was not a successful piece, and she, who was featured in the song Sing Me Not a Ballad, was also not successful in the role. I think her recording of Sing Me Not a Ballad is charming. We're going to move on to other things, though. In fact, we're going to go way back in time to 
the very early 1900s. It's Christmas Day, 1906. Victor Herbert's operetta, Mademoiselle Modiste, is opening on Broadway. It stars the Metropolitan Opera star Fritzi Scheff, an Austrian-born singer who had sung Musetta opposite Nellie Melba. Here she is approximately 50 years after she created the role of Fifi in Mademoiselle Modiste. This was a telecast of the Ed Sullivan Show from 1953. Fritzi Scheff was about to celebrate her birthday. She died the following year after this episode aired, before she celebrated her 75th birthday. Tonight, sitting out there, is one of the great veteran stars of the profession, and I asked her here tonight as my guest because she's now 73 and is about to celebrate her 74th birthday. She was Victor Herbert's favorite singer. I'd like her to stand up and take a bow. Miss Fritzie Shep. Fritzie, stand up there and take a bow. Fritzie, I would say that from the, when is your birthday? Uh, the 30th? 30th of August. The reason I remember it, I think Ethel Barrymore is the same birthday as yours. Uh, she's on the 16th. On the 16th? Yeah, we're about two weeks apart. She's two weeks older than I am. Fritzie, I know this is unfair, but uh, I know the audience will get a great kick of you saying, kiss me again. <laughs> Sweet summer breeze, whispering trees, stars brightly shining above, roses in bloom, what
In the first part of this program, we're going to examine what I would call operettas that were produced on Broadway. Some of these were original work. Some had been produced in London or elsewhere first. Some of them were adaptations of works by other composers. We'll be discussing all of those. And then after the break in the middle of the episode, I will be returning with what I would call the Broadway opera genre. It's going to be a fun episode. I'm happy you're with me. Speaking of operettas that were first produced in London, I present to you Noel Coward's Bitter Sweet. Here's a number called Dear Little Cafe, and it's here sung by the two creators, Peggy Wood and George Metaxa. In spite of the name, George Metaxa was actually born in Romania. He was not a legitimate opera singer but he was in line to take on the role of Emile de Beck in the first London production of South Pacific when he died suddenly after years of having heart problems. Peggy Wood is probably known to most of you via her appearance in the film of The Sound of Music as the Mother Abbess, who of course sings Climb every mountain. She trained as a legitimate opera singer under Emma Calvé, but here's Peggy Wood, who also appeared in straight drama and musicals and operettas on Broadway. And all our dreary deprivations are just a memory. Though we're very often driven frantic, this is very hard to find. All these restful days will seem romantic when we left them far behind. Fate needn't seem quite such a dragon. She a married couple that we've encountered separately on the podcast before. I'm speaking of Jan Kipura and Marta Eggert. They, of course, were both film stars as well as stars of the opera stage and the Broadway stage. Marta Eggert had slightly more exposure on Broadway than her husband did. She appeared 
in Rogers and Hart's musical Higher and Higher, the most famous song from which is It Never Entered My Mind. She did not sing that part, but she did appear in the musical. Later, she and Jan Kipura both appeared on Broadway in two different revivals of The Merry Widow, which we will be coming to in just a few minutes, as well as a musical that used the music of Chopin and was based on his life, and that was called Humoresque. We'll be encountering those, I don't even know what to call them, these quasi-operettas that use as their basis the music of other classical composers. In fact, we'll be encountering that in just a moment, but right now, let's hear Jan Kipura and Marta Eggert in this radio broadcast from Krakow in 1958. This was Kipura's return to Poland after many years abroad. Here they are singing the hit tune from Bittersweet, I'll See You Again. Lehar's The Merry Widow was an immediate success on its first production and traveled to many different countries, including the United States and the Broadway stage. As late as the 1960s, it was being revived at Lincoln Center when Richard Rogers oversaw, for a very short period, the Music Theater of Lincoln Center. We'll be hearing some other music in the next two weeks from productions that took place there. Always very well cast, often with opera singers. Here we have the opera singer 
Patrice Moncel doing a very short excerpt from the Merry Widow's entrance aria in this English translation known as Who Knows the Way to My Heart. And the orchestra is conducted by Franz Allers, who was a very important fellow at the podium in this type of work. I haven't been in Paris now. I find it rather strange. If what I do is very wrong, just lay me down the chain. Well, when you French make show me, with compliments like these, you really overpower me. Don't overdo it, please. I'm rather rich, it's very true. But my wealth, I am sure, has no effect on you. One of the most glamorous opera singers that ever trod the boards was the Czech soprano Jarmila Novotna. She also was a film star. She appears in the haunting post-war drama The Search, which also features Montgomery Clift. Years before that, in 1944, Jarmila Novotna appeared on the Broadway stage in a work called Helen Goes to Troy. It's based on Jacques Offenbach's La Belle Hélène, but it uses as its basis music from Offenbach, not just limited to La Belle Hélène, as we will hear in this excerpt from a radio broadcast in which Jarmila Novotna sings the song Love at Last, which I think you'll recognize quickly. And now Jarmila Novotna turns to the stage to sing a number from her Broadway musical success, Helen Goes to Troy, and it's called Love at Last. Oh, my God. 
Offenbach has been on Broadway more than once. In 1961, there was a production of a piece called The Happiest Girl in the World, which starred Cyril Richard and Janice Rule. In the male romantic lead was the baritone Bruce Yarnell, who also sang a good deal of opera and went on to star as Frank Butler opposite Ethel Merman in the Lincoln Center revival of Annie Get Your Gun in 1966, I believe it was. But here he is singing the song Five Minutes of Spring from The Happiest Girl in the World, which, by the way, was based on Lysistrata and had words by Yip Harburg, one of my favorite lyricists. Oh, come, sweet thing, life at best is but five minutes of spring, a high-ho fling. With a hope, a dream, a kiss on the wing That wise old clock Called the moon is just a calendar thing And each tick-tock Says it's all a small five minutes of spring Hope, dream, lover, and rose Fade into one when the wind blows Hope, dream, lover, and rose Kiss on the wing, child on a swing The song of it all is five minutes of spring So come, sweet thing While the night is queen and April is king Let's cling, cling, cling Let's cling, sweet thing, to that life so alive. Brave little five minutes of spring. Here's another operetta that exists in many different forms. It's called Lilac Time, it's called Blossom Time, it's called Das Drei Mädelhaus. It's another one of those musicals that is based on the music of a classical composer, just as we heard Offenbach. So now we're going to hear Schubert, and in fact, Schubert figures as a character as well. It originated in German-speaking Europe, but then was adapted by Sigmund Romberg and Dorothy Donnelly, and it was produced on Broadway as Blossom Time. Here's the song, Song of Love. It is performed here on a radio broadcast by Walter Castle, who also went on to star in a revival of The Desert Song in the 1940s, and of course also created the role of Horace in The Ballad of Baby Doe. Eleanor Stieber never sang on Broadway, but man, what a voice, and as you already know if you listen to the podcast, whenever I can find an excuse to play Eleanor Stieber, I'm gonna play her, so enjoy this. Eleanor Stieber and Walter Castle blend their voices in the beautiful duet, Song of Love. Once on a time, in a kingdom by the sea, lived a young princess and lonely. Under 
set free by one only. Weary he waited while ye sped on my tenor extravaganza, I introduced you to the Hawaiian tenor Tandy McKenzie. Here he is in a real curio. So there were two big operetta composers who originally came over from Europe. One was Sigmund Romberg. The other was Rudolf Frimmel. Rudolf Frimmel composed things like The Vagabond King, things like that. His last original work produced on Broadway was this peculiar Hawaiian operetta called Luana. As far as I can tell, Tandy McKenzie did not appear on Broadway in this piece, but he did record the title tune, Luana, and here it is. I have found the Luana Deep within your heart of gold it lies Flaming colors that the rainbow sends Luana All the borrowed from your smiling
one of Rudolf Firmel's most famous pieces was The Vagabond King. Here is the song of the vagabonds as performed by the British baritone Dennis King, who had a very long and successful career on Broadway. As far as I could determine, he did not sing any opera, but you hear it's definitely a voice of operatic caliber. Here's Dennis King in The Song of the Vagabonds in a 1925 recording. surprised to discover that in a revival in the 1940s of The Vagabond King that the title role was sung by the Australian baritone John Brownlee. John Brownlee had a career at the Metropolitan Opera. He's also famous for the recording of Don Giovanni, conducted by Fritz Busch from Glyndebourne. I could not find him singing any operetta repertoire, but I did find this rather boisterous note which is a setting of a poem by William Ernest Henley by the composer Bruno Huhn, and it's called Invictus. And this is a recording from the 1920s with John Brownlee. Oh, 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 
We've heard Sigmund Romberg's adaptation of Franz Schubert. The New Moon was certainly one of his most famous and successful operettas. I am going to offer you an excerpt from that piece, the very famous Lover, Come Back to Me. The singer here has an interesting pedigree. That is Clara Mae Turner. She's a magnificent American contralto. She began her career singing things like Ulrika when Toscanini did Un Ballo in Maschera. She also appears as Nettie Fowler in the film version of Rodgers and Hammerstein's Carousel. I did some research into her, and as far as I can tell, she did not actually appear on Broadway. But she certainly qualifies as a singer who crossed over from time to time, dipping her toe into the operetta and musicals repertoire. It's wonderful to hear Lover Come Back to Me sung by a contralto rather than a soprano. I hope you enjoy this 1950 recording. The sky was blue Tibbet was certainly one of the most successful crossover artists of his era. He, in fact, did appear on Broadway a couple times, including as Ezio Pinza's replacement in Harold Rome's Fanny, which is based on the Marseille trilogy of Marcel Pagnol, some of my favorite movies. We will be hearing Pinza next week in Something from Fanny. In the meantime, here is Lawrence Tibbet in the Jerome Kern Oscar Hammerstein operetta, Music in the Air. The song is You. That's the name of the song. And man, I just love the way Tippett sings this. I hear music when I look at you. A beautiful theme of every dream 
In Stephen Sondheim's Follies, he pays tribute to those vaudevillians who performed on Broadway. It's a beautiful piece. It's one of my favorite Sondheims, I think. And this moment, the duet, One More Kiss, where the aged diva Heidi performs a duet with her younger self, is truly one of the most moving moments in that piece. In this 1985 concert performance of Follies with the New York Philharmonic, it was sung by Licia Albanese and Erie Mills. From what I've heard from those who were at the performance, this was the moment for which the audience went completely bonkers. And you can hear why. Oh, 
Unlike Rudolf Frimmel, Sigmund Romberg had a sustained success on Broadway, including late works Up in Central Park and The Girl in Pink Tights, which starred Zizi Jean-Mer. In the loudmouth, blousy secondary role, we encounter Brenda Lewis. If you don't know Brenda Lewis, guys, you're going to be getting a little bit more of her later in this episode. I may even feature her all on her own in an episode because she's so fascinating. Here she just sounds bawdy and she's letting it rip in this song, You've Got to Be a Little Crazy. Interestingly, this musical, first of all, was produced after Romberg's death in 1954. It's very much a backstage musical and it's about the family that participated in the production of what is sometimes considered the first musical comedy in the 19th century, The Black Crook. You've gotta be a little crazy to want to produce a play. Your heart must have a lot of ham in it. Your head, somebody should examine it. You have to take an awful beating to keep your actors eating. And so I take my loss and I don't feel gypped. I'd even trade a good man for a good manuscript. You've gotta be a little crazy to want to produce a play. Produce a play. You've got to be a little crazy to be on the stage today. They go tomatoes from the gallery. Some weeks you even get your salary. You get a hand if you're a stand-up. But you can use a handout. You take a cut in pace or the show can run. But if I cut your lines, you want to reach for a gun. And if you're not a little crazy, you'll eventually get that way. There's a charm in the smell of grease paint that is stronger than all magic spells. You're not Edwin Booth and you won't face the truth Some producer till your backside is numb. You have to act to hide the fact that you are a practical. You've got to be a little crazy in a wonderful way, a wonderful sort of We're going to hear a few numbers now by George Forrest and Robert Wright. These guys are well known for their adaptations of the work of other composers, including Edvard Grieg in Song of Norway and Alexander Borodin in Kismet. We will also be hearing an excerpt of their work next week, the original musical Keen, which was produced in 1961 and starred Alfred Drake, who also, of course, was the star 
Honor of Kismet and Lee Venora, whom we're going to hear in a few minutes. But first, let's look at and listen to Song of Norway. This was Wright and Forrest's first Broadway show and their first big success. It's based, of course, on the music of Edvard Grieg. The woman that you just heard was named Helena Bliss. Helena Bliss had a very interesting career. She sang everything from musicals to operetta to opera, with City Opera, on the West End, with various light opera companies across the United States. Clearly, it was a voice of beauty, and it's awfully nice to make her acquaintance. Then the singer that we're next going to hear, her namesake, Helena Scott, also sang in the West End. There are a few singers that had a history with Song of Norway. The first of these is the mezzo-soprano Ira Pettina, who also sang at the Met for many years. We will hear her later in the podcast. She did not participate in the cast recording of Song of Norway because she was under contract to Columbia Records, and this was recorded by Decca. In 1959, there was a revival of Song of Norway by Guy Lombardo. This was for his Jones Beach Marine Theater. In that revival, the Irapetina role was sung by none other than Brenda Lewis. But right now, we are going to hear the song Strange Music, which is based on Grieg's Wedding Day at Trollhagen. It's sung here by John Reardon, who we will encounter again next week, one of the most important Broadway and opera singers of his era. I'll be doing a program on him in season two of Counter Melody. Wow, I have to keep track of all of these people I'm going to be doing programs on, but I won't forget John Reardon. He really is one of the greats. Here he is singing with Helena Scott in Strange Music. Let me hold you near 
music in my ear. Only now, as you spoke, did it also had a very interesting career. She was in the original production of Me and Juliet that Rodgers and Hammerstein, well, what do we want to say? It was not a success, but it was Rodgers and Hammerstein, and she did appear in that. She also appeared in the London production of Most Happy Fella. She appeared on the NBC opera production of War and Peace by Prokofiev. She sang, just like her namesake Helena Bliss, pretty much everything, everywhere. These kinds of singers are fascinating to me. And one thing that I do need to say here is that Broadway singers of today, with some really important exceptions, are not necessarily trained as legitimate singers. That said, I'm going to present next week a batch of currently active singers who I think exemplify the best legitimate voice training. For now, though, let's just enjoy the other people we're going to hear in this episode. Time to move on, actually, from Song of Norway to Forrest and Wright's biggest success, Kismet, which was first produced on Broadway, starring Alfred Drake. In 1964, Four, Kismet was revived at the Music Theater of Lincoln Center. It had a bang-up cast. It featured two really, really beautiful sopranos, as well as Alfred Drake reprising his role of Hodge, which he sang in the original 1953 production. First, we're going to hear Anne Jeffries. Anne Jeffries, who died quite recently, in her 90s, was a singer who had an extremely varied career as an actress and singer. She did everything from The Merry Widow to Rose Morant in Street Scene. We'll be hearing her in an excerpt from that later in the podcast. Here she is singing the body role of La Lume. This was a role that was created by Joan Diener, who of course went on to sing in Man of La Mancha, another borderline 
divine musical slash operetta. But here's Aunt Jeffries singing Not Since Nineveh. And as my not boyfriend David has pointed out, the wordplay in this song in particular finds its precedent only in Cole Porter. It's blindingly brilliant and lots of fun. And Aunt Jeffries has a great time with it. Do south of the Garden of Eden, do north of the Gulf of Aden, where every male and maiden is laden down with the blisses of Baghdad. This irresistible tone. compare high life to the life you find here. Not since Nineveh, not since Tyre, not since Babylon turned to Maya. For a sin of a kind we never mind here. Where or whenever again low life like the life well known here. Not since Nineveh, not since Sidon, not since Jericho started sliding from the den of a horn that's never blown here. Our are our alleyways all bawdier, our prince is more autocratic here, our beggars more distinctly aromatic here. Where could you ever pursue your life with the zeal we feel here? Not since Babylon read that writing, not since Jericho heard that trumpet, not since Nebuchadnezzar's hanging garden went to pot, not since that village near Gomorrah got too hot for lot. one of the big hit tunes from Kismet. That's called And This Is My Beloved. And by the way, if I hadn't said it before, this musical is based on the music of Alexander Borodin, and it's beautifully adapted. It's quite a wonderful and fun piece. I saw a revival at Encores a number of years back with Brian Stokes Mitchell and the late great Marin Maisie. Anyway, this is a song, and this is my beloved. The singers are Alfred Drake, Richard Bank, who was an actor and tenor from the early 60s, Henry Calvin, who also appeared in the original 1953 production of Kismet, and a special shout out to the gorgeous crossover soprano Levenora, who sang everything from Michaela and the Resurrection Symphony under Leonard Bernstein to roles like this, also a featured part in Wright and Forest's Keen, which I mentioned earlier. Here she is 
sounding exquisite. I cut out most of her solo iteration of the tune, but I did put her singing the final phrase of this gorgeous tune. What's remarkable about this piece is that it is an operatic ensemble. There's no mistaking it. You'd say his eyes were sometime bright, but only sometime. Well, that is plain. Plain words can't tell the thrill. Then tell it how you will. You'd say her eyes were sometimes bright, but only sometimes often dark. Cannot convey. And this is my beloved. Then try another way. You'd say his smile was from the sun. Sometime gave. But only sometimes. Often Imagine these. Sad smiles are strange. One eager And this is my beloved. I hope he'll never change. And when she speaks, and when he talks to you, mystery, mystery. And when she moves, and when he walks with you, paradise. Since I just played for you an extraordinary ensemble from a musical, now I am going to play you this mind-blowing performance, unedited, of Jerome Kern and Oscar Hammerstein's All the Things You Are from the remarkably unsuccessful musical Very Warm for May, in which, by the way, Helena Bliss appeared in the first production. You think you know All the Things You Are, but you probably have never heard the way that it originally occurred in the piece itself. Here it's sung by Jeannie Lehman, George Dvorsky, Chris Cronendahl, and the superb Rebecca Luker. It's conducted by John McGlynn in this 1991 recording. I just want you to pay a little attention to the structure, because it's kind of mind-blowing the way that he does it, and I thought that if I edited it, you would miss hearing the way the first you are the breathless hush, the way that melody first emerges as a high vocalise in the soprano part, sung by Rebecca Luker here.
after a very short break, we're going to take on the question of Broadway opera. It's a distinct genre that thrived for a relatively short period of time. But for now, let's just take a quick pause, and I'm going to ask you, as my little Werbung, my advertisement section, to please continue to pass on the word about Counter Melody to support me by subscribing, downloading, listening, rating, reviewing, all of those good things, anything that will help me build my audience. This is episode 51. That means that I've been doing this for nearly an entire year now, and it has been a wonderful adventure for me. The other way that you can support me is if you can afford to make a monthly donation, you may do so via my Patreon page at patreon.com slash countermelody. I have decided that I'm going to be as equitable and non-mercenary as possible. So those who subscribe via the Patreon page for as little as $2 a month will get access to all of the bonus material. And it's fun stuff. I just posted a second episode about crossover tenors this last week. It was fun to put together, and I think you'll really enjoy it. Thank you very much for your support. And now, let us turn to the very interesting genre of Broadway opera. Give me 
That was the great contralto Marie Powers. We encountered Marie Powers several months ago now on this podcast in a performance opposite Lawrence Winters of William Grant Still's opera Troubled Island. Interestingly, Helena Bliss also sang in the 1949 city opera premiere of that opera, in which the main role was taken by both Robert Weedy, whom we are going to hear in just a few minutes, and Lawrence Winters. By the way, Lawrence Winters also appeared on Broadway in Call Me Mister. I featured him in a song from that in my Lawrence Winters episode that was part of Black History Month. But back to Marie Powers. She was an actor of enormous power. What did we just hear? The medium of Giancarlo Menotti. We've also just been talking about Menotti in relation to Samuel Barber a few weeks ago on the Eileen Farrell episode. Menotti had a number of operas produced on Broadway. The first two were The Medium and The Consul. The Medium is about a sham medium named Madame Flora, or Baba, who is an alcoholic and a paranoid person who is obsessed with the spirits of the dead returning to haunt her and at this moment, the key dramatic point in the opera, she fears that she's being pursued by the spirits of the dead people that she conjures for her small clientele. Marie Powers appeared in this role on Broadway, followed by a recording, followed by a TV appearance, followed by a film version, which was actually an expansion of the opera and was conducted by none other than Thomas Shippers, whom we also encountered a few weeks ago. In this case, however, the conductor is Emmanuel Balaban, who conducted it on Broadway. This was the first of Minotti's well, one can call them nothing but Verismo. Uh, if you get a chance to look at any of her performances on YouTube, you'll see what a dynamic performer she was. Patricia Newway was the star of The Consul when it was produced in 1950 on Broadway. There were two versions of The Consul that were made for television. One was in 1951, and the other was in 1960. From that 1960 performance, we're going to hear an excerpt of 
the big scene to This We've Come. This is with Patricia Newway. We heard the aria a couple weeks ago with Eileen Farrell, and it's brilliantly sung. I have to say, the way that Patricia Newway embodies this part is something that is rare indeed. Newway went on to win an Emmy Award for her portrayal of the Mother Abbess in The Sound of Music. She's certainly well-known to those who know the cast album as the woman who sings Climb Every Mountain. My child is dead. John's mother is dying. My own life is in danger. I ask you for help, and all you give me is paper. What is your name? I'm so Wait, 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 wait,
Frank Lesser was a real innovator for the Broadway stage. He began as a lyricist and eventually took on both words and music for his pieces. Some of the more famous ones are Guys and Dolls, How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying, and this, The Most Happy Fella, which is a borderline opera, I would say. I'm going to offer you three different performances from this piece in three different embodiments. The first is Robert Weedy, who created the role, singing on a television performance, Mamma Mamma, which he introduces. Now that we've sung the operatic aria, as we did years ago with Maestro, now I'd like to sing for you another aria. It's not an aria, it's a song from the very beautiful musical, The Most Happy Fella, and this is called Mamma Mamma. Tony has just been overcome with joy at discovering that his wife loves him. And he's talking to Mama, saying, look, Mama, how do you like her, huh? Ah, oh, when I'm a look on my beautiful wife, I, I'm so happy, I think I'm gonna bust. <laughs> I don't know why I'm so lucky, fat. Mama, mama, oh, how you like your dumb, funny-looking boy. He was away so long. He's a fine, such a joy. He's a fine, such a joy. In Palermo, mama, when I was a young man. In Palermo, mama, you was used to say, Bring home nice young lady, Tony. Bring home nice young lady. Look, mama, she's here. She's here And I'm a feel so young And I'm a feel so strong And I'm a feel so smart <laughs> Tell me, mama, mama, oh, The Most Happy Fellow was produced in the West End in 1960. The title role was taken by the Maori singer Inia Tebuyata. For those of you who think that the only international Maori opera star is Kiri Tekanwa, you're wonderfully mistaken, because a generation before that, we had this singer Inia Tebuyata. Interestingly, he was the ethnic bass baritone of Cho. 
choice. He appeared in productions of Showboat. He appeared in productions of Porgy and Bess. He appeared in productions of this oriental operetta called Chu Chin Chao, I think it is. So he was the other ethnic type, whatever that might be, be they Asian, black, Italian, whatever. He fit the bill. He was also a wonderful singer. And in that production, in the West End, it was none other than Helena Scott who sang opposite him. Here he is in the song Rosabella. She think maybe I'm a young man with a handsome kind of face. That's why I'm gonna do what I'm She think maybe I'm a young man with a handsome kind of face. And me, I don't wanna show her what's true. Like a flower, Rosabella, look, my heart is in you, power. Rosabella, young like a baby. Rosabella, say someday you'll love me, maybe. I'm scared to look in your eye and shake the hand, hello. I'm scared you slap on my face and you go. I'm a beautiful Rosabella, sweet like a flower. Rosabella, Much as I like Iniatewiata, I have to say, I think Robert Weedy is a breed apart. He was a Verdi baritone of the very highest caliber, but he also was a brilliant actor. Here he is singing opposite Joe Sullivan, who was to become Mrs. Frank Lesser, in the duet My Heart is So Full of You. Quanto sono contento, cosa ti posso dire? Tu mi stai a cuore, what can I say? What can I say? My heart is so full of you, so full of you. It's got no room for anything more in the Oh, so 
Joe Sullivan just died in 2019 at the age of 91. She's another one of those could-a-crossed-over singers who primarily sang in musicals, but also appeared in Benjamin Britten's Let's Make an Opera on Broadway, as well as Polly Peachum in the Mark Blitzstein adaptation of the Three Penny Opera. We are about to encounter Mark Blitzstein, in fact, and his opera slash musical slash hybrid Regina, which is based on Lillian Hellman's scorching play, The Little Foxes. Originally, the role of the hapless Birdie was played by Brenda Lewis, but when the piece was revived in 1958 at City Opera, Brenda Lewis took on the title role of Regina, and she was extraordinary in it. She participated in a number of very important premieres. This was one of them, Jack Beeson's Lizzie Borden, was another one. Here she's singing the curtain closer, the best thing of all, revealing a grab-everything-while-you-can-get-it kind of ethics that one encounters all too commonly in this day and age. You know, if you want, if you want, if you want something that's over the wall, don't wait, and don't hope, and don't beg, and don't call, oh no, what you want, you must take it in your hand at the ball. To want and to take is the best thing of all. Now some in the crowd, hello loud, how they want something and want it a lot. They don't know what they want, and they hunt and for what. And there are a few, just a few, or they knew pretty well what to pursue. But
This is a wonderful, wonderful opera slash whatever it is. And it features some very interesting roles for the African-American characters as well, which of course are just the servants, but gives me a chance to bring up once again the extraordinary contralto Carol Bryce, who we will be encountering again next week and to whom I will be devoting an entire episode in season two of Counter Melody. Here she is in the role of Addie, comforting and offering advice to the character Birdie. This is an extraordinarily beautiful aria, Carol Bryce, in the City Opera production from 1958. We heard at the beginning of the episode with his wife, Lotte Lenya, singing September Song. Now we are going to encounter his so-called American opera, Street Scene. A truncated version of this piece was recorded at the time of the first Broadway performance. It was not an enormous success. Its success was overshadowed by what Lotte Lenya referred to as that hillbilly musical, I 
think is what she called it, Oklahoma. It's based on Elmer Rice's Pulitzer Prize winning play. Elmer Rice took a very combative stance with Cordweil and his librettist Langston Hughes on the structure of the opera and really gave them a very hard time, it made it very difficult for them to realize the piece in the way that they had hoped to do. For instance, Weil really wanted to hire primarily opera singers, and I believe he was somewhat thwarted in that effort. But thankfully, in the central role of Anna Morant, he was able to engage the services of the very interesting American soprano Polina Stoska, who also sang at the Met, sang roles like Eva in Die Meistersinger. Here she is singing an excerpted version of Anna Morant's brilliant aria, Somehow I Never Could Believe. This is from a 1949 radio performance with the Hollywood Bowl. I think the trouble is people don't make allowances. After all, we're all human and we can't just go along by ourselves all the time. So
The American tenor Brian Sullivan was a late addition to the street scene cast. He is another amazing singer who also was featured at the Met for many years. I believe he was the first American to sing the title role of Lohengrin at the Met. Music director for this production was none other than Maurice Abravanel, who went on to conduct the Utah Symphony, but who also was a close collaborator of Court Viles for many years. The central occurrence in Street Scene is the murder of Anna Morant by her suspicious and jealous husband, Frank, who returns unexpectedly, finds her with her lover, and murders them both. This is Frank's set piece that he sings after having done the horrible deed, and he's confronted here by his daughter Rose, who's portrayed by none other than Anne Jeffries. The bass baritone Norman Corden sings the role of Frank. Norman Corden sang in over 500 performances at the Metropolitan Opera between 1936 and 1946, in primarily Verdi and Wagner parts, including König Heinrich and Sparafucile in Rigoletto. So this performance of Street Scene took place after his Met career had ended. Oh, 
have looked like it to you, but I loved her too. I couldn't stand to see nobody taking her away from me, for I loved her too. I mean, and all this talk that went around, there always was something inside of me, right here like a wall, seems like I never could break through, but I swear to God knows that I loved her through, I One simply has to say a word about the really offensive sexual politics of both Most Happy Fella and particularly Street Scene. The whole effort to build empathy for a man who justifies murdering his wife. Okay, we're all humans, but we're not all murderers. I have a problem with it. Maybe you do too. But I still respect the genius of Courtville. But anyway, moving right along. One of the true hybrids of the Broadway slash operatic stage is Leonard Bernstein's Candide. It has such a tortured history and was not a success in its first production. But there were a number of featured opera singers in this piece, including Robert Roundsville, who not only created the role of Candide, but created the role of Tom Rakewell earlier in the decade in Igor Stravinsky's Rake's Progress in Venice. That performance, of course, also starred Jenny Turrell as Baba the Turk. She's also been featured on this episode. In the role of Anne Trulove, there was a singer whose name will never be mentioned on this podcast. If you want to know who that was, you can go look it up. She's one of those people I just cannot tolerate. Never could, never will. I'm going to just pretend she doesn't exist. Meanwhile, here's Robert Rounceville singing Candide's aria, It Must Be So. My world is dust now and all I loved is dead. Oh, let me Trust now in what my master said. There is a sweetness in every war. It must be so. It must be so. The 
dawn will find me alone in some strange land but men are kindly they'll give a helping hand so said my master and he must know it must be so it must be so I'd mentioned Ira Petina as one of the stars of Song of Norway. Here, in Bernstein's Candide, she took on the role of the old lady. Here's her performance of I Am Easily Assimilated. Next week, I'm going to feature a follow-up to this episode. We're going to consider opera singers in roles in musicals. We're also going to consider those voices that were trained in a legitimate vocal technique who still chose to stay focused primarily on Broadway material. That will take us up until the present day. It's so like Leonard Bernstein to take an egg-headed subject like Voltaire's Candide and to turn it into a popular entertainment. You gotta love that about him. Taking Plato's Symposium as the basis for his serenade 
taking Auden's poem The Age of Anxiety as the basis for his second symphony. The guy really was ambitious. And finally, these years after his death, Candide has become a staple of opera houses the world over. It's still a problematic text, but when you encounter that extraordinary final ensemble, Make Our Garden Grow, you feel and appreciate the power of Leonard Bernstein's composition. Robert Rounseville is joined by Barbara Cook, who was the original Cunegonde. Boy, if one could do a whole episode on Barbara Cook as well. She's a fabulous singer. I'm a big admirer. I have some problems with her later work, but man, she did it almost up until the day she died. No, we won't think noble because we're not noble. We won't live in beautiful harmony because there's no such thing in this world, nor should there be. We promise only to do our best and live out our lives. Dear God, that's all we can promise in truth. Marry me, Kunaganda.
My dear friends, keep the song in your hearts. I'm Daniel Gundlach.